Opening up the Peacock and Williamson mailbag for week three is Bijan, the new Barry. Where did all the shutdown cornerbacks go? What about those 0-2 teams? Who's in trouble right now heading into week three of the NFL season? Coming up, Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. We got a lot of good questions in the hopper today. Apologies to those. Uh, listeners that we don't get to your questions uh, always love how many we get how many good ones we get i want to start with we, we gave a lot of praise to b john robinson we've seen him we've seen his dynamic play carry over from college to the first couple of weeks of the nfl season but do we need to slow down we have a question here from uh <laughs> it is from crime dog and he says i realize it's very early but i'm seeing shades of barry sanders in the open field in b john robinson am i on to something Yes. <laughs> I mean, how often have I said in the last five years of doing this podcast, I love, you know, tongue in cheek when people say, who's he remind you of Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, you know, right. I mean, Aaron Donald, right. Um, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah or somebody, I was listening to a fantasy podcast and somebody referenced another one as we all do. We all reference one another. And they said, he reminds me of Ladanian Tomlinson. I'm like, Ooh, that kind of, just the running receiving combination. Like I think Barry's unbelievably unique. And here's a side. I don't know if you and I have had this conversation, BP, but you know a lot more about music than I do. I'm an old school Zeppelin Floyd, you know, that era guns and roses is new for me, but I can listen to like three chords of Jimi Hendrix and be like, Oh, that's Jimmy or that's Clapton. That's Jimmy page. To me, that's a classic guitar player. Yes. I think running backs are the same. Like, I think you could put all the great running backs in history in those god-awful Penn State, no number, no name, white uniforms, watch them all run around, and I'd be like, that's Walter Payton, that's Earl Campbell, that's Barry Sanders, that they all have their own Jimi Hendrix chord. So I think Bijan is like that. I, I don't think that's too early in terms of his talent and how he moves and what he looks like on the field. He's Jimi Hendrix. We absolutely do have to slow down on on I think those kind of comps. But <laughs> yeah, um, he's a you know he's a special athlete. There's a reason even with the with the the value of running backs and and how that's dropped. He was still a top ten pick because teams were looking at their draft board and was like that guy's on the top of it. So we're gonna go ahead and draft him. Uh, and and he's a special talent. That his move is the dead leg move, right? It's undefeated so far in the NFL. Um, and so that's kind of the thing you'd see him go like, okay, well, that's Bijan. When you see that move, I think we're already starting to see what his signature is in the NFL, but we need to see him stack together games, stack together seasons. And we'll see how, see how he starts to stack up with the all timers 
but uh, he's, he's a special talent. He's a he's a he's a really good runner of the football. Got to stay healthy. Um, and uh, and so, but you're right. Like I I I think LT is a better comp than Barry because Barry's so different, and you see yeah. by the way Barry's built and how laterally. Uh, like Bijan's more upfield. It's like dude, dude, it's not like oh I'm gonna just you're gonna turn around and not know where I am anymore. It's like I know you're there. I just can't touch you. So um, very different style than Barry Sanders, and he could be one of the best running backs in the league. Absolutely, he's, and, and yeah. he's got a little bit more top speed than someone like Christian McCaffrey, maybe. Um, but it takes a lot more than athleticism and and one move in the open field to be an all time great. So we'll see how that goes for him. So slow down maybe a little bit, but early returns very good on Bijan. Real quick, not that these guys are ancient, you know, dudes from the 60s, but Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, they were born a little too early in terms of receiving skills. I mean, imagine what Falk would do in today's NFL or Tomlinson. I mean, they would catch 25% more balls than they did already, and they were game changers at the time. And I think Bijan's receiving skills are almost, almost match his pure running back skills. And, and we haven't even seen a great extent to that. But to your point, tap the brakes, of course. I mean, I hope Nick Chubb serves as a great reminder that not for long for running backs. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough. And can yeah. you can come back from that? And if, if your athleticism is sapped a little bit, are you still special? Do you have that ability on offense to, to, because one of the things that made Marshall, Marshall, Marshall Falk amazing or, that made uh, you know Frank Gore great. His teams wanted that guy on their team, and they knew everybody's job on the field, and they were cerebral mm, play- yeah. players. They were in the right spot at the right time. So just being more athletic than guys, that's usually where you see guys fail in the NFL. It's like, oh, I'm not more athletic anymore. What else do I have? Competitiveness, mm-hmm. all those things. So, um, so we'll see. Emmett's a great example of that. Like, yes. Emmett doesn't run the best 40. I mean, he's got tremendous balance, vision. Of course he has great traits. He's ran for more yards than anyone in the history of the world. But to me, his greatest trait was reliability and my arms hanging off and it's the playoff game. I'm still going to get 30 carries behind a badass line and right. just bury you, you know, I mean, his best, a, that's a trait. His best trait was he had the best line in the league during his career. So I agree. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> a little on the overrated side, but that's OK. He ran for a lot yeah, of behind your pads. See the whole vision, like all the things, the little things that allowed him to be great deep into his career and, mm-hmm. and collect all those yards for sure. Got the most out of that line. Absolutely. Um, what's going on with uh, with shutdown corners in the NFL? JDS says, what happened to the cover corner? Why are teams refusing to shadow guys anymore? See Sauce last week. Sauce, contrary to popular belief, is just a – a lot of teams are only left-right. You know, like my Steelers don't flop left and right. Neither do the Jets. You know, I mean, a lot of teams do that. And you can say, boy, that seems dumb. I'm just going to put Justin Jefferson on the other side, you know. Right. And yeah, there's some truth to that, but the defense knows too. I mean, then they roll a safety that way. I mean, so a couple notes on this. I go down this road all the time and I don't regret it one bit. The biggest discrepancy in all football right now is defensive linemen over offensive linemen. To me, the next one is a distant second, but it's definitely second, is wide receivers over corners. I mean, when Jalen Waddle's the 30th best receiver in the league or whatever he is, you know, I mean, with all respect, I mean, there's so many amazing ones 
the 30th best corner is not close to the guys we're starting in fantasy. You know what and I mean? The rules are skewed toward yes. the, the, the offensive side. As far as receivers go too. you can't get your head taken off anymore over the middle. So nobody's afraid to go over the middle anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the ticky tack penalties with, um, uh, with, with pass interference and those kind of things. So, uh, it's definitely, yeah, it, you are at a disadvantage the moment you step on the field as a DB or as an offensive lineman. Yes, and there's less man coverage now than ever. I'm, I always reference the Steelers, my apologies. But I'm sitting here looking. The Steelers right now play the fourth most man coverage in the league, and it's at 39.5%. So only three teams are probably right. playing 40% or more. And the other thing people don't think about with the – the Revis Island and that type of stuff is for Revis to follow Randy Moss or whomever, 10 other players on the defense have to totally adjust to him. You know, all of a sudden I got to move my feet left or right for my zone or my responsibility just because Jerry Rice went in motion and Dion followed him. You know what I mean? Like it stresses the other 10 more than people realize. Next, some great questions about AI. Can we see artificial intelligence play callers in the NFL in some time and maybe the near future uh, firing interim and interim coaches. Um, there is some questions about the two and O or the O and two teams and who might be in trouble in the NFL coming up next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by eBay motors. Our partners at eBay motors have teamed up with locked on fantasy football host, Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for daily fantasy drafts or scouting the waiver wire. Every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed fits on your roster. So let's see how Vinny has picked out for us today in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And how about a rookie receiver for your DFS teams in Week 3? Ravens rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers had a fine debut in Week 1 and a more modest Week 2. But Flowers will go into full bloom while cruising to a big game on a weak Colts secondary at home in week three, Flowers will be schemed open well as Baltimore's new look passing game continues to find more life with Lamar Jackson. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Football, our fantasy football, uh, is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same with your fantasy roster, same with the real NFL rosters, just like it is with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motor has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And it is so easy at eBay Motors. I got a fender flare that popped off my vehicle when I ran over a traffic cone on the freeway. Super easy. They knew the exact part because of my vehicle. Had the green check. Bought it, price was great, got here quick, slapped it on myself, saved myself, I, I don't know, hundreds of dollars probably by going that route and fixing it myself, and it could have been easier, and I'm not a car guy. So keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So this is a super interesting question. It's an older question. I've been holding on to it, and, and I've wanted to talk about it here. And uh, it's from Lake Geneva on mm. Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it. I keep calling it Twitter. I probably always will because I, I am uh, set in my ways. Will AI eventually handle play calling and potentially things like drafting and roster management in the NFL? Wow. Hmm. 
I mean, <laughs> I here while you think while you ponder this question, I, I just I don't know anything about AI because I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm I, I know <laughs> I know the Terminator movies. <laughs> well, if they could do that, then they could probably they could probably run the organizations. Right. I think um, it's it's tough because if you see something that's written by AI, it looks amazing, but you can find the little problems in it. And the little problems are the important problems in an NFL offense. I think what AI could do, I think it absolutely can help in roster management. I think what AI can do is take a lot of the time-consuming work away from coaches and front office people and compile things for you in a way that it can find what's happening on a football field and give you that information and make it so you can construct your offense better and more efficiently. I don't think you're going to be able to take the human element out of that and play calling necessarily, but it might be able to help you find and identify the holes in where you need to attack and what plays might, what types of plays might actually work. So more of like a, an assistant offensive coordinator rather than Mm -hmm. the offensive coordinator. Well said. And I, I was kind of thinking the same thing, like, all the work that GAs in college and, you know, assistant coaches do during the week. Like, for example, I put together this stat pack for the Steelers every week, and it takes a lot of time, and I scan the internet, and I just look for outliers, things that are noteworthy. Well, AI could do that in, like, five minutes. I mean, as soon as all the games end, they would print out – I mean, that really shows my age – print out, you know, here's a a form of all the things that are – odd about this upcoming opponent versus us, you know, they're last in third down red zone, blah, 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 you know, and I'm sure there's some of that already. They don't, you know, these guys don't splice film anymore and do things like that too. There's a lot of computer assistance, yes. obviously, but I would also think you could, you could do it kind of like your fantasy draft too. Like on draft day, your AI buddy C3PO goes, you should take Bijan Robinson. And we're like, screw you, C3CPO. I'm taking Van Ness. You know what I mean? But it, it, And that could work in the booth, too. You should call inside draw here. You know, ah, okay, I'll take that into consideration. Or you right. should definitely go for it on fourth down here, R2-D2. You know, right. So maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And, and it'll inch closer. And, um, you know, as far as scouting and, and finding players that might be outliers because of certain reasons, uh, across college football, uh, I think those things are important. But then there's background and there's face-to-face and there's things that that uh, that an AI is not probably going to be able to figure out for you in the evaluation process either. So, the, the, you know, it's not going to overtake the human element that needs its final touches. But I think it absolutely can identify some things and, and help out from a, a time perspective, things that, um, you know, instead of spending 100 hours on your next opponent, you can spend... 50 hours and AI can take 50 of those hours away and you can spend the other time that you're in the office doing something else to, to give you that advantage. Or you have dinner with your family twice during the week and oh, actually smile or work out once or go for a walk or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Real you, quick though. Like I'm glad you mentioned college. So maybe Stanford, if MIT had a football team, you know, let's try it there. Some Ivy league school, you know, something along those lines. Maybe that's the test ground, you know, yes. for this stuff, because I don't know how to put this. I'll just be blunt. It's going to be a tough sell for old white curmudgeon billionaire owners to say, oh, C-3PO told me to go for it here and it didn't work. So, you know. Especially someone who's got the position they have because they think they are the best in the world at what they do. And they're going to be like, oh, never mind. Hold on. We'll let this computer do the work for me. Right. Yeah. So it has to yeah. be a situation like 
spread offenses were in college, right? Like you have to be the underdog and utilize this technology to help you help close the gap on your competition or maybe identify mm-hmm. recruits from across the country that you might not have. So you might get this, yeah. you know, this sneaky little recruit that was maybe a little bit too small or was under looked and maybe you find him for your college. And so, yeah, I, I would love to see that, especially if the way Stanford's football team's going right now, that might be the team. That's the best test ground. for. <laughs> You'll try anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick. This is just a status, not even a question. Something I ran across that blew my mind. Um, and I know a lot of folks, there's some, a lot of dolphins fans that are, that are, you know, really just pounding the table for, for Tua right now. And he's, he's off to a great sure. start this season. Mike Tua's now five bars. Yeah, exactly. My sense of across the pond uh, is where those might be going. Uh, it, uh, Tua is now five and zero in his career when starting at quarterback against the New England Patriots. Wow, he's the, he's the third NFL quarterback to to win five regular season games starts. Excuse me, five regular season starts against the New England Patriots since two thousand. So basically, since the start of the Brady era in New England, he's only the third quarterback. To not even go five and zero to win five starts against the Patriots. Since That's remarkable. It's insane. Wow. Well, hold That's on. That's remarkable. The other oh. two are Josh Allen, who's five and four right now. Okay. Two is five and zero, and the other is Peyton Manning, who is five and ten against the New England Patriots. Wow. Two right now is five and zero, and if the next game he wins against the Patriots as the starting quarterback. He'll have the most since 2000 of any quarterback in the NFL against Bill Belichick and those Pats. So that, that's wow. pretty remarkable that he's five and zero right now against Pat. Now, that that's a Patriot stat to me more than the Tua stat. I mean, that's a wow. It's, it's totally a right. Patriot stat, and it yeah. also shows how great they were for so long. Yes, and how nobody's six wins against them. Right, and the division <laughs> all the two thousand they faced twice a year for twenty years, and none of them did it. Finally, until Josh Allen in that division. And it took Peyton Manning 15 tries to get five. 15 tries to get the five. And he's still only hitting, you know, 33%. I mean, that's bonkers. It really is. I mean, you would think somebody part of it's because no quarterback lasted in that division. I mean, if at least one quarterback would have had a 12 year career for the bills or jets or something, you're bound to stumble into a couple here and there. Right. And you think back about all so. the revolving doors at quarterbacks with the jets and the bills until Josh mm-hmm. Allen showed up and, uh, uh that's the crazy. Dolphins. Yeah. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, here's one uh, for about your guy, TJ Watt. And this is a Steelers fan, admittedly, on Twitter that says, can we just stop the Miles-TJ debate? Miles may have all the superior physical tools, but he doesn't ever result in production. And Miles doesn't have the he-has-no-help excuse anymore. The man gets shut out by Dan Moore every time these teams play. And uh, I want to bring this one up because uh, – T.J. Watt's brother, J.J. Watt, had this to say on social media. He said, T.J. Watt is the best defensive player on the planet. Stop trying to question it. Stop trying to justify anyone else. He's the best, period. Now, J.J. <laughs> and the Steelers fan, uh, whose who's handle is Steelers Burner, might be a little biased here. But, I mean, the just brother and was, the van, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know what, man? I, I've seen You're not. Watt up close. I saw him against the 49ers a couple weeks ago saw him against the Browns on Monday night football. He is the grim reaper. He's got speed. Yeah. He's got motor. He's got that length and power. He has everything you want coming off the edge. If I had to pick one edge player in the NFL, I think I might pick TJ Watt one Parsons two, Bosa three, then miles Garrett four. I think that's how I'd rate him. I think those are the premier edge guys. And then there's a big gap. 
a TJ might be number one. They, those guys, as biased as they are, might be onto something. It's bonkers that he just became the Steelers' all-time leading sack leader. I think this is his sixth year in the league, and there's Hall of Famers all over that defense. I know Lambert and Ham and those guys don't get sacks, but still, that's this isn't the Texans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of defensive you know, tradition around here with some pretty darn good pass rushers. I don't know if I'd pick him one. I, I think Parsons blows my doors off, to be honest with you. But this offseason, we were straining for content, and the Browns obviously are a rival. So we went down and broke down, did a whole segment on Garrett versus Watt. And Garrett is a tier one superstar stud. This is not a knock on him. But if you analyze snaps per pass rushing or sacks per sacks, pressures, hurries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, pass rushing stats per pass rush opportunities, it's night and day. Like Garrett's one of the best in the league. But Watt is double as good. I mean, he drops into coverage more. He's been hurt more. They both are first-rounders from the same draft class. He has more sacks and far less opportunities. I mean, it's hard to deny. It's unbelievable. His ability to close, uh, the technique, the motor, Mm -hmm. all those things are special. Every special pass rusher has a a high motor, you know, because it's not always always clean, I beat you. But then you have that athleticism that you can beat someone clean and then you have the motor on top of it that's where the the special output comes and and tj watts he's the dude right now man he's he's playing at a high level he's got 20 sacks again when you start talking about multiple 20 sacks he's got four already yeah he's on that he's got he's got eight quarterback knockdowns already four sacks four knockdowns that leads the league i think by two what's remarkable to me is with his last name go look at his combine numbers they're phenomenal they're not just He's a sneaky athlete. He's a hustle guy. We know why that gets thrown around. He's a right. tremendous athlete. He wasn't a sneaky athlete. He was an amazing dominant athlete, athlete yeah. just like his brother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, he's a little narrow. He's an off ball. He's a tweener. And the there was a little like, of that. I love everything I'm hearing right now. Give me all the tweeners, you know? Yep. And all the other teams are like, oh, he can't hold the edge. It's like, give me a break, dude. That, yeah, that, that was and a he big started, his, started his career at Wisconsin as a tight end. So he actually yeah. didn't even play the position as long. Last note on TJ. Cynthia Freeland from uh, NFL Network does all kinds of work with biomechanics and things like that. And she times every pass rusher's get off your first two or three steps. And his is noticeably faster now than two years ago when he won the defensive player of the year. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. The, it's yeah, the better. work, it's, it's everything. Uh, you find yeah. great players in the NFL it might seem like they're they roll out of bed with insane superhuman athleticism and some of them do but there's work and there's and it's oh. not it's not surprising even someone like Randy Moss that he's good talking about football that Deion Sanders they're good talking about football there's a mm-hmm. lot going on upstairs that people don't so give some of these athletes credit for just because they're so physically freaky next uh, i want to talk about the, some interim coach questions that we have here and 0-2 teams in the NFL, to other teams that might be in trouble. And we've got a fantasy-related question here on uh, some wide receivers in the NFL as well. Next. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. You can have so much fun playing daily fantasy sports every week with the NFL. And while you're having all that fun, you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. It is super easy to play Prize Picks. Select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry in less than 60 seconds if you want. It's uh, you know, a couple taps away from turning $10 into $250. I'm looking at the Thursday nighter this week. My 49ers are on Thursday night, 
and come on, 15 and a half yards. I'm taking the more than on that rushing total for Debo Samuel. By the way, Thursday, Kyle Shanahan talked about it. Might fade Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to get the full 20, 25 carries and touches that he's been getting in the first couple of weeks. It might be a Debo Samuel game this week. So that's my uh, that's my gift to you. The over on the rushing yards for Debo Samuel, which is a very low total. He might get that in just one quick screen pass. Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. And uh, it just it's not any easier and not any more fun to go play daily fantasy sports. And all you got to do is go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or download the app and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. How about this one? This is from Swedish Justin Tucker. Uh, <laughs> it's a good handle by the way. Yeah, good. Uh, what do you do with Garrett Wilson in fantasy football, Matt? Is he still an every week starter? This particular person, we're not going to give start sit advice, but they have Debo, Mike Evans, McLaurin, Nico Collins. So good shape wide receiver wise. So there might be some decisions to make. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson to start the season is you start him, you put him in your wide receiver one spot and leave him alone. But now with the with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, and you know, he did have the one big play last week that helped you out, give you that touchdown. But can you expect that big play every week? Where you at on Garrett Wilson fantasy wise right now? So I assume sweetest Justin Tucker drafted Wilson ahead of those other names. And clearly he's more volatile, especially than Mike Evans right now who's tearing it up. So let's just focus on Wilson. I, I know you didn't ask me this, but I think he's a tremendous, tremendous football player. May even, he reminds me of Odell at that age. I mean, like, and that, I can't mean that in any more higher praise, but for fantasy, I'm treating him as a wide receiver three. I think you have to, I mean, I think he's, Drake London, you know what I mean? Like just circumstances hurt you. I mean, there's, I've broke ties, not starting Garrett Wilson in the last week. I stop. He's too talented. And you're, you're a team that is still going to throw the ball enough. And there's enough passes going his way for him to be super fantasy relevant still all season long. Sure. You don't need a superstar quarterback to have a, you know, a big time wide receiver production. And the more the Jets are behind, the more they're going to throw. And who cares if Wilson throws a whole bunch of interceptions as long as he's still targeting your guy and he's getting some points. So I'm, I'm fine with him. You're probably going to start him every single week. You know, this week you might look at it and say, yeah, I might start Evans and maybe Debo over him. But I'm, I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to start McLaurin over over Garrett Wilson most weeks. And I wouldn't this week. So if you're still starting three wide receivers, even if you have a lot of good ones, he's probably in your lineup. Like Labor Day weekend. South and you realize, oh, this offense is not going to move the ball and he's not even going to get – you know, eight targets anymore. Like Labor Day weekend, I think I had him as wide receiver eight, you know, right before the season doing my fantasy drafts. I bet he's wide receiver 26 now. I mean, if I were to do a list, I mean, just. I'd have him higher than 26, but yeah, it, it's it's hurt him for sure. Yeah, yeah. Joey Bag of Donuts says, if an offensive or defensive coordinator gets fired in the middle of a season, what would change? It's not like they're going to change entire systems midseason. Right. I mean, I answer this every day about Matt Canada. It's like, you're not <laughs> going to take the offensive playbook and throw it in the trash. I mean, you'll sequence plays different. You'll add some wrinkles. But all in all, you spend an entire offseason working on this stuff. You know, like, I have so few thoughts, or 
I guess there's a couple, you know, like last year, I don't know, week five or six, the Bears just said, we're doing things different. Or Lamar's rookie year, they're like, enough of Joe, here comes Lamar, we're going to just throw, we're just going to play the single wing, you know. I guess those things happen, but they're dramatic, dramatic changes. I mean, for the most part, like, this is how I always answer it. If Matt Canada gets fired, they'd probably promote the quarterback coach, and he's never called plays before or whoever, so you don't know his tendencies. He will sequence things different. But it's not going to turn into the Shanahan offense overnight. You know? right, not change terminology and all of that. No. Uh, you know, you might, you know, it, like the Lamar Jackson example is like, well, you already had a package of these plays and you practiced them from camp. You just right. play those more, and then each week you kind of add on to it. It gets more yeah, robust. Practice that stuff team. instead of the Flacco stuff. You're not changing offenses, yeah. changing terminology. It's an off-season thing. And I think one of the things, I think the biggest thing that any firing of a coach does, whether it's head coach or an offensive coordinator. And by the way, it's funny that you bring up Matt Canada because. I asked this question because we got multiple questions of this style. Most of them were Steelers fans asking about Matt Canada. Uh, I only get asked about it about 50 times a day. So yeah, that's, he, that's, that's a light day. Yeah. And I know Steelers fans didn't like him from before, but uh, even before this year. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing it does is like everyone just straightens up. It's like your job's on the line too. Yes. Like, yeah. The guy that was ahead of you on the, on the chart of important people in this organization just got fired. So guess what? You could get fired too. So you're playing mm-hmm. for your future job. So you better just do whatever you're doing. Even if it was bad, you better do that better. And so I, I think even your running back coach and your tight end coach. Right. And you know, I mean, it, it, it sends a message. I think that's why you always see the interim, not always, but a lot of times you see the interim coach bump. I think it's, I think it's just that. I think everyone mm-hmm. just kind of straightens up and realizes, Oh yeah, that's right. This might not last long if we're consistently bad and don't give better effort. So. That's probably what it is. I mean, the new coordinator might be like, I'm taking this chapter out of the playbook and throwing it in the fire and this chapter out of the playbook and throw it in the fire because we have too much stuff and we stink at this stuff. Let's just stick to Lombardi, you know, running the sweep a thousand times. You know what I mean? Simplify things. You know, there's too much junk here. Get rid of it. We don't have a long time to talk about all of the 0-2 teams in the NFL, Matt, but we've gotten multiple questions about this one as well. So let's let's put it a little simpler. Uh, who, who's the most uh, – B-Wigs says, what teams or stars are we ready to hit the panic button on uh, on a you know basically a week from now? Like after week three, it, can we start to say it's, it's nearly over for certain teams or players yeah. around the NFL? So I'm just – I pulled up the standings. I think the teams that are – Bad. I mean, we're just calling them the bottom tier are Arizona, Carolina, Chicago, Houston, Houston. Yeah. The others silver shot. Yeah. I put money. One of those four teams drafts number one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the bears have, and actually Arizona and Chicago have all four of those picks combined. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. So two te- those two teams are going to get better quick. Yes. Or can. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that's why it's not the end of the that's world cool. what's going on in Chicago because if it's a bad coaching thing, you get a new coach and you have all these picks. If it's a bad quarterback, guess what? You're going to be drafted one or two, you get a new quarterback. And so the Bears aren't in that bad of a situation if, say, the Texans realize, oh, man, we don't even like the quarterback we just drafted and you gave away your pick mm-hmm. that you could have gotten the next great quarterback, that's a dire situation. So – um, that, that's the Bears could draft, draft. The Bears could draft Drake May and Marvin Harrison's kid. 
Right. Yep. And uh, trade I mean, fields for a third round pick, or, you know, just like Arizona, you know, four picks in the draft by those two teams. How wild that would that? be awesome. Yeah. That'd be fun just because, you know, there's gonna be trades, you know, there's going to be so much talk about it. Both have big, both have young athletic potential star quarterbacks that, you know, there's questions about, so they could go either way. And obviously we have to see a lot of, uh, of improvement from the first two weeks for Justin Fields, for them to even consider not taking a quarterback with one of those picks, if they get mm-hmm. one of those high picks, whether it's number one or number four or whatever. So yeah, really interesting there with the, with the top of the draft, but those, you, those teams you put aside, what's the team that was supposed to be good that you're most worried about. I'd probably put the the Cleveland Browns up there. At number one, they just lost Chubb. Watson has Times not been good. Right. The division is difficult. Some injuries on the defensive side of the ball where they have been good this year. Uh, yeah, that's that's the fade for me right now is the Cleveland Browns. And boy, I mean, that's a 180 from just a week ago. I mean, they slaughtered the Bengals in week one. And it's like, this team might be really good. I do think the Browns defense is studly. Um, how about the Bengals? I mean, I think I'm cheating on the Bengals because it's all about Joe Burrow's calf. But if they fall into a hole a little more, like he needs his calf to be pristine at the latest a week from now. And is that going to happen? He already have two division losses. I mean, I think they're the best team. So I should say this a different way. They're the only team to me that's 0-2 that can win the Super Bowl. But I'm also really frightened that they may dig themselves too big a hole because of this injury. Right. And speaking of interim coaches, I think the Chargers is the other one I'd put in there. Because yeah, what's going on, man? Like we're seeing it again. Like they've been a ten-win team, so it's not like you're gonna fire everybody because you won ten games, but you're kind of behind some of the teams you need to leapfrog. But you you start slow again, and defensive-minded head coach defense is not playing well. What, what are we doing over here? You know, so that's that's probably another one that I'm I'm about ready to smash the button. They go oh three, then I'm starting to think that there might be some changes there. Um, but I think they have a better opportunity than the Browns at this point. Maybe. I don't know. The I'm Browns not, I'm, can keep them in game. So I, it's tough. I, I, those, those th- I think, are the obvious three. I, I'm not fighting you that there could be an interim head coach, maybe even Jason Garrett with the Chargers. But I think they have a better chance of becoming an above-average team than Minnesota or Denver or the Patriots. Good point. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I – but but I didn't have that high of expectations for the Pats. I just – the Pats no, were going to be a 7-8-9 win team. I, mm-hmm. I think they knew that, and I think that's what they're going to end up being. And I always thought that the there was going to be huge regression for the Minnesota Vikings, so that was not super surprising. So the other teams, mm-hmm. I expected more – and they, Chargers, have to, Bengals, they yeah. have to change something big from what they've done the first two weeks. Yeah, agreed. Thanks, everybody, for all your questions. Apologies, those that we did not get to. Appreciate all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also always uh, drop a question to us any old time on social media at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, or drop one in the YouTube comments. Matt and I back tomorrow. It's time to make some picks for week three. Talk to you then. Peacock and Williamson.